Angelo joined the Thunderbolts as a rookie in 2014, came back to the team in 2015. He split some time between the bullpen and the starting rotation in his two years with the Windy City Thunderbolts. And I'm happy to be joined right now by Mr. Pete Whittingslow, joining me here in the press box. Pete, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We are, of course, going to dive into your career in baseball here. I, I've made it a tradition this year, and I don't know why, it just kind of worked out this way, about asking people about their names when they come in. You have uh, nothing, you know, this is not an insult in any way, nothing crazy or interesting about your name. I don't, I don't know what to ask you about that. So uh, unless you have an interesting story about how you came to be Pete Whittingslow, we're just going to move right into baseball. <laughs> well, the name Pete um, has some family value to it. We have a, on my dad's side, we have a, a bar on the beach in Jacksonville that was opened by my great-grandfather in 1933. His nickname was Pete, and um, it's one of the longest-standing uh, businesses in the Jacksonville, Florida area, and um, so it's just a cool tradition, and the name's just kind of been passed down. But uh, other than that, the Thomas part is pretty, pretty routine. Well, and that, that's pretty good though. That you do have a story. That's mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Everywhere I've looked, actually, everything I found about you online, you're listed as simply Pete Whittingslow. Are you Pete or are you Peter? I'm Pete, just Pete, um, and I go by my middle name because my dad, his dad, his dad, they're all Thomases or Tom, Tommy, some variation, and they wanted me to be different, so I, I go by Pete, uh, my middle name, not Peter, just Pete. All right, I know I said I was going to skip through the name stuff and jump right into baseball. Now I'm more and more curious. You're one of five or six guys, I want to say, on the team who goes by their middle name. Do guys in the clubhouse know that? Are they aware when they're talking to each other that they're not going by their first name? I think um, if anyone knows, it's us down in the bullpen because, as you know, it's a long season, and some of those games uh, we keep ourselves entertained in the bullpen. So... Um, we know each other really well down there. We guess each other's middle names, first names, stuff like that. But uh, I would be surprised if got position players knew Pete was my middle name. Well, let's go into the game of baseball right now. I always like to, to get to know guys uh, how they got into the game. Uh, what first drew you to the game of baseball? Uh, one of my first memories is just watching it with my dad on the couch. Um, you know, I, was, I started really young. I, I think I played my first year when I was four you know, five at the oldest. Um, and I just remember watching uh, baseball, watching the Atlanta Braves with my dad all the time. And it was just, you know, instantly fell in love with the game. And, you know, I haven't missed a season that I've been old enough to play since I was four or five. You grew up in Kennesaw, Georgia, is that correct? Yeah, I, I lived in South Georgia uh, for about 10 or 11 years. And then I I've spent the past, you know, 12 13 years in Kennesaw, right outside of Atlanta. Okay, so you're right near the Braves. How, how far were you from Atlanta when you were a kid? I was four hours when I was younger, so it was cool when we would make it up to Atlanta to see family. You know, it would be a big event to go to the Braves and stuff like that. So it just made, you know, me love them and baseball even more. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Civil War history or with uh, baseball history, but Kennesaw, of course, is a mm -hmm. town that has a great name connection with the game of baseball, Kennesaw Mountain Landis was the first commissioner of the of Major League Baseball, and he was named after that same region that uh, that you were from as a kid, Kennesaw mm -hmm. Mountain, Georgia. And you went to Kennesaw Mountain High School too, right? That's right. Yeah, we got we have a lot of connections right there. It's really cool, and my family's really big into history as well. So, um, you know, my friends, family, we'll, we'll go running through the battlefields. You know, take our dogs for walks, and you know they have all the plaques for reading, and it's a good area. 
Now, you, you talk about growing up as a Braves fan. You grew up during the 90s, which is a fantastic <laughs> time to be growing up as a Braves fan. Do you have any specific favorite players from that era? Um, yeah, my favorite would have to be John Smoltz. Um, you know, it was great. You know, I wish I had been old enough to really, really appreciate what was going on then. Um, but John Smoltz is by far my favorite. He went through five arm surgeries, which many people don't know. Um, I myself have gone through a couple uh, major surgeries. Uh, he went to, he was a starter and a closer. I've started and I've been in the bullpen. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's a great man off the field as well. He's into golf like I am. So I've always been really drawn to Smoltz. He is my favorite player. Did you get a chance to watch when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year? I'm sure you had to have been excited about that. Oh, I, yeah, I was fired up about all of them. It was really cool because Bobby Cox, the manager, went in right, you know, right with them or right before them, I guess you could say, and then Smoltz Glavin now, or Smoltz Maddox now. I'm sorry, Glavin and Maddox, and then Smoltz, and then Chipper Jones will be next. So it's been fun to watch. You're making a lot of assumptions about Chipper Jones here. I'll <laughs> let it slide. I, I'm interested now in getting a, an Atlanta resident, or at least somebody who's from near Atlanta, uh, their perspective on this. Because I know in, in Chicago, at least, the perspective in Atlanta during those uh, 90s runs for the Braves was that fans kind of grew tired of making the playoffs. They won the division every year, mm -hmm. and it really didn't mean anything until you got a little bit deeper, maybe the championship series, maybe the World Series. Did you kind of get that sense? Was there not as much excitement for the early rounds of the playoffs? Um, yeah, I would definitely say that the, the Atlanta fans got really spoiled and we started to take it for granted. I'd be lying if we said otherwise. Um, you know, I love the city of Atlanta. I root for every major sports team. But at the same time, I think in that sense, sometimes we became a little spoiled. And, you know, I, I love the city of Chicago because their fans are at their games no matter what, whether they're good or bad. People are going to cheer on their sports teams. And, um, you know, I wish, I, you know, I hope Atlanta can grow to that kind of sports town where um, no matter what, thick and thin, they're there. But uh, I think those times when we were really, really good kind of, spoiled us a bit well, let's talk back about your uh, personal experiences through baseball you talk about playing since you were little uh wh at what point in your life did you decide you wanted to be a pitcher rather than trying to hit full-time oh gosh well if you ask anybody who knows me that they, they'll tell you i joke around all the time that i still can hit so you still haven't made that decision <laughs> no 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 pitcher. in my mind i'll always be a hitter who was forced to pitch but um in high school i you know living in the atlanta area is just such a big area for high school baseball um, we have a lot of really big time uh, teams summer fall teams high school teams for that matter too and I was surrounded by such good talent um, I knew my best opportunity to get into good colleges and get good scholarships things like that were to highlight myself as a left-handed pitcher because you know at the time I threw decently hard and I was on good teams and these guys in the outfield where I'd used to play were going to SEC ACC schools where you know, so okay, I think I'm okay. These guys are really good, so it um it kind of forced me to to get on the mound full time. But I don't I don't you know regret that decision at all. Well, let's talk about when you did first go to college and play ball in college. Now, do I have this correct? You went to Florida College for your first year? No, my first two years of college, I went to East Tennessee okay. State. They're um, like a mid-major Division One up in like the Tri Cities tip of the state of Tennessee, right by. Uh, Virginia and North Carolina I went there for two years um, then I, I had surgery on my elbow my freshman year so I redshirted so after my two years at 
ETSU, I left as a redshirt freshman so I could go to a junior college because I didn't want to sit out a year. And um, so I went to a junior college, Florida State College of Jacksonville in Jacksonville, Florida. And then after that, I, I spent two years at Valdosta State in Valdosta, Georgia. Well, let's talk about the recruiting process, first of all, when you did go to East Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. Now, all three places that you went, you stayed in the general southern region, but mm -hmm. you did a little bit of traveling going from Georgia to Tennessee to Florida back to Georgia again. Uh, when you were in high school, when you were being recruited, were you looking at any other schools, and what was the process like for you? Did they come seeking you out as a pitcher? Yeah, I definitely um, was fortunate enough to have a, a good amount of, of recruitment, and, and it was a really fun time. Um, some of them actually recruited me as a hitter. You know, got to throw that in there. But, uh, yeah, m almost everyone was as a pitcher, and kind of through the recruiting process for all three schools, um, every time I took a visit to a school, I just wanted to make sure I felt comfortable um, with the pitching coach, uh, with the head coach, um, you know, I wanted to like what was going on around the campus as well, uh, outside of the baseball aspect of it. And um, at the time, every every stop that I made, um, I felt like I was making the best decision for me, you know, baseball-wise, financially, um, things like that. And, you know, it worked out pretty well for me. What was your mindset like when you went to East Tennessee? Of course, you only pitched there one year. You were there a couple of years, but you only were able to appear in eight games. When you went there, was it with the intention, did you think of being there for a full four years? Yeah, yeah. That that was the toughest of my uh, four, I guess you could say, college career because my senior year of high school was when I, um, you know, I was throwing the ball really well. I was more confident than I'd ever been, and then I hurt my elbow, and um so I hurt my elbow. I ended up having to have Tommy John, and I tried to delay it as long as, like, we tried to do the rehab stuff. So I didn't end up having it until I got to ETSU. So I lost that whole first year. And then that second year um, where I had eight appearances, it, w it was a grind for me. Um, it, was a, it was a big mental block that a lot of people don't know that haven't had major injuries. So I had the surgery, and uh, the – it's it's hard to overcome that right away some people it takes a lot longer than others um you see the guys on tv doing it but some for some of us it's not that quick so uh that season was a grind and um just trying to get back to where i i was as a pitcher and i really didn't feel like i did until i left and went to junior college the next year and uh, it might have been an innings thing it might have been that mental hump i needed to get over but that first year back to pitching was definitely really tough but it also uh, helped me grow a lot. You know, I look back on it now and I appreciate it. But at the time, it was, it was definitely tough. When you had that first surgery, you're a young kid, mm -hmm. 18 years old, just starting off college. Uh, and like you said, you see guys on TV, they have Tommy John surgery. They come back a year later, maybe even less in some cases. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they seem like they, they didn't even miss a beat. Were you prepared for the type of recovery that had you had to go through? Had you ever been through and probably not anything that severe before, but had you ever been through any sort of recovery like that where you knew you had to basically rebuild your arm? No, not at all. Um, I, you know, I had gone through a couple stretches, you know, where your arm hurts a little bit and you might, you know, I, I take some time off, but I'd never been through anything like that before. And um, it really took me by surprise and um, with how much of a consistent grind it is a day in, day out, just mentally and physically getting your left side of your body back to normal and um it, it was it was something I, I hadn't experienced before and, and it and I, I i try to compete so hard when i pitched that when i was coming back i wasn't throwing instantly like i had known 
to throw for for so long not being able to do that just added frustration on top of it as well so now anytime i see anybody with any kind of shoulder or elbow injury whether i know them or not if they're a baseball player i seek them out i talk to them i give them my phone number i tell them hey if you need anybody you you need to talk to if you're having a bad day and your arm feels like it's not there please ask me because if anybody's been through it it's been me so i try to be a mentor to these guys because I didn't have that and I know how important it is. I've got to imagine because you have been hurt a few other times since mm-hmm. then uh, that it, it helps you become a little bit more sensitive to what's going on in your body and you're you're kind of more aware of not only when you need to shut things down but then how to progress from there. Yes and no. Um, I definitely learned from it but um, the no side of that would be when they give me the ball and they, they let me go out and pitch, I'm, I become very stubborn. I don't want to come out of the game. I just want to compete and I want to win and I want to do everything possible. And uh, that kind of has hurt me in some ways, but it's also been great because I've, I've had some great games um, where it would have been easy to walk away. And I also had some games where I probably should have walked away and it might have led to an injury or um, a run that might have not happened if a fresh arm came in. But um, you know, it's, it's hard to take that ball away once they give it to me. Well, let's talk about uh, back in your college experiences. We got through East Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. You decided to transfer there. You went to uh, a junior college in Florida, and you said you wanted to go to a junior college so you didn't have to sit out a year. Uh, what led you to Jacksonville? Um, that was a relatively easy decision because my dad and his pretty mu- a lot of his side of the family, my grandmother, um, some uncles and aunts, uh, they all live in Jacksonville so it was it was kind of an easy decision when I when I left uh, Tennessee I called one of my high school coaches and told him and you know within 30 minutes he had JUCOs up and down the coast calling me I mean really really helped me out so I had I had some options and one of the people to call me was that junior college in Jacksonville their pitching coach was a um, was a former fifth round left-handed pitcher through the Braves organization who I still talk to today was a big help for me so that instantly drew me to the school and then having my dad and grandmother be able to be at all the games that was another plus and um it just it just made it it made it easy and um so I I chose that over a couple other JUCOs um didn't even take visits to other ones because you know I, I thought those two were important to me after your time was done at Florida College at Jacksonville, you went to Valdosta State. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that process for you differ from when you were in high school, and how was it similar? You're kind of in the same position again. You're looking to go to a new school. Mm-hmm. You're kind of getting recruited again. Uh, what was different to you? What was similar? Was it an easier choice or a more difficult choice to go to Valdosta State than it was the first time to go to East Tennessee State? It was definitely a little tougher because um – when I was coming out of high school, I just I just I wanted to go Division One. I, I, I had that in my mind. I wanted to go Division One, and and you know when when I was getting my uh, offers, I was lucky enough to get um, out of all the Division One offers. I felt East Tennessee State was the best one that I had, so I went there. But when I came out of junior college, I wasn't as uh, set on Division One only or stubborn. I guess you could say I really wanted to hear out all the best available options for me. I wanted to take it all in financially. What would be for the best? Because if I'm having to pay out of pocket, uh, what would, where would be an opportunity for me to get the ball? It's game one every weekend, um, the location. You know, I took a lot more into account the second time around, and um, I, I was, you know, I spoke to some really good schools uh, coming out 
and you know I, I spoke to some other division ones as well but I chose Valdosta State um, because of the coach because of the location because of the, the scholarship you know I took a lot more into it than I did the first time around let's go towards end of collegiate career for you mm-hmm. what was your mindset at that point when you finished up college of course eventually you did sign on with the Thunderbolts but mm-hmm. was your immediate thought okay I'm gonna go on to play professional baseball right now or did you start thinking okay college is over maybe it's start it's time to start looking for something else to do yeah this is actually that was that little time frame was the first time I ever actually thought of life past baseball because my entire life all I wanted to do was play for you know the Atlanta Braves I wanted to be a professional baseball player my entire life. And um, at the end of my senior year at Valdosta State, as the season progressed, uh, my arm kind of started giving out on me a little bit, I guess you could say. And um, But I still thought, you know, yeah, I'm definitely going to play pro ball, going to play pro ball. And um, But by the end of my senior year, my arm was hanging. You know, I was doing everything I could, you know, and I like that looking back on it because I literally did everything I could for that team, and we ended up winning a championship. But um, – uh, by the end of that senior year, I mean, my arm was dead. So I couldn't go play even if I wanted to. So the scouts knew that as well. No, you know, couldn't really get signed with a dead arm. So I actually moved to Aspen, Colorado. Um, and I spent six months in Aspen, Colorado. I spent the winter following my senior year with one of my best friends from high school, a fellow left-handed pitcher. We both had our degrees. We both had been through the grind, just got hurt. Um, and we said, hey, let's go Let's go somewhere fun. Let's go do something we've never done before. Um, and we landed in Aspen, Colorado. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. And um, I love that place. I talk about it all the time. Um, but, you know, baseball is still my love, and that's what drew me back. So when I talked to Biga, you know, about coming back and playing, it was a no-brainer. How long were you in Aspen? I was in Aspen. So I finished school the summer of 2013 finished base, college baseball then as well, was at in Aspen by Halloween, and I was there all the way up until uh, the spring of last season. I was there for about six months. That's got to be an incredible culture shock for you, I would think, coming mm-hmm. from the South. Had you ever been to an area like that before? No, nowhere close to anything like that before, and it blew me away. Um, we were two, two guys from South Georgia, or from Georgia going out to, you know, Aspen, Colorado, which is not only, you know, a weather shock, but Aspen is very high class. It's very, it's very nice. You know, you see a lot of fur coats and, and big, you know, diamonds out there. So it it was really, really cool. Uh, We got a good job with the ski company out there. So we were able to, you know, we had a good job where we were still, you know, using our brain every day and, but we were still getting to ski and snowboard and it was an unbelievable experience for sure. You said you just you wanted to go there. You wanted to try something different. Did you have this job lined up before? Did the two of you just go out there and say, "Let's see what we could do"? No, we were somewhat responsible about it. My buddy, especially, he, you know, he's a very responsible guy. I love that guy to death. But uh, so we we decided we wanted to go somewhere. Um, we wanted to do something. At first, we thought about going out to a ranch, you know, because we both like the outdoors and and hunting and fishing and stuff like that. But then he had a family friend who lived in Aspen and once he remembered that and told it to me it was game over it was how quickly can we talk to them to talk to someone else to get a job and we once we had the job lined up we got our housing lined up and then we took off 
that's got to be a fantastic experience. You're out in Aspen. Mm-hmm. At what point do you get the call saying from the Thunderbolts, hey, we want you, or did you pursue that yourself? So uh, when I was at Valdosta State, we had a former we had a former Valdosta State player that was playing here. His name was Matt Costello. Um, so he had seen me play at Valdosta, and he sent me a message one day saying, hey, you know, if you don't get drafted or signed with an affiliated team, uh, let me know because I know – you know, you could definitely come play here. So I said, okay. Um, you know, my season ended. Obviously, I, I my shoulder, my arm was kind of messed up. I didn't play. I let him know that. And I was out in Aspen, and I was just minding my own business, enjoying life. And um, got a – he had asked me earlier, you know, if I was still interested. And I was like, yeah, you know, I love baseball. I'll always be interested. And then I was just – I was on my snowboard, actually, on a lift going up. I had my headphones in, listening to music, and – all of a sudden, ring, ring. I have no idea who it is. I just click answer, hello. And by the time I got off the lift, I had had a conversation with Biga about coming to play. It's like, okay. So I got off on the lift, bombed it to the bottom of the mountain as fast as I could, uh, called my family, booked me a flight home, and a uh, short time later, I was here. That's got to be one of the more exhilarating rides down a mountain of your of your life. You're up on top of this mountain. You got a call saying... We want you to play pro ball, and then you mm-hmm. snowboard down. That that just sounds like a, a sequence out of a movie to me. Yeah, it was definitely my favorite ride of the season. That ride down, I, I had the music blaring. You know, I think I was smiling the whole way down. So, you, of course, you didn't join the Thunderbolts at the start of last season. Mm-hmm. You were still recuperating from an arm injury. Was was that your focus the whole way up until from spring up until the time you joined the team mm-hmm. in mid-July? Were you focused on getting back to the Thunderbolts? Or were you still involved in other things at that point? No, I was 100% every day trying to get my arm ready because they signed me. I had had that conversation with Bika, and then I was signed for spring training. And um, so I said, okay, I got home as fast as I could. And I started throwing every single day, every single day, just trying to get ready as fast as I could. Um, but with that arm injury, um, I'd had, I think, I want to believe that it was like some uh, scar tissue buildup in my shoulder and stuff. But anyways, when I got home, my arm was stiff as a board. I wasn't throwing, wasn't throwing to the level that I knew was necessary to compete here. So I called, I called Biga before spring training. I said, hey, you know, I could come out right now, but you'll, I know you'll release me with my arm being where it is. Is there any way I can just get a little extra time? Because when I show up, I want to be ready to go. He said, that's fine. Take as much time as you need, which I owe him a lot for that. It was fantastic for him to do that. He could have just released me. Um, And so I I tried to do it as fast as I could literally every single day. And it didn't end up working out until right, you know, a week or so before the All-Star break. But by then, you know, it was better just, hey, let's just wait till the All-Star break. So I got here, you know, in the middle of the All-Star break. It's cool. I got to see the city and stuff before we got rolling. And by then, my arm was ready to go. Yeah, I'm curious about what you were doing that first half of last season. Just because, I mean, from my perspective, mm-hmm. I handle all of the rosters here with Windy City. So, I mean, I, I put you on the roster at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. I put you right on the inactive list because you weren't here at the beginning of the year. But, I mean, I had done my research on you and gotten your stats and your bio together. And then I didn't think about you again because you mm-hmm. weren't here. Uh, it was right before the All-Star break. Ron Biga came to me and said, Terry, right after the break, we're going to activate Pete. I said who? Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, okay, that guy that we had at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, so while that whole thing was going on, take me through your day to day. What was the process of getting ready for the season like for you? Yeah. So I was in. I was back in Valdosta, um, which is you know 20 minutes from the Florida line. As soon as I got back to Atlanta, I drove three, four hours down to Valdosta, 
and every day I was in the weight room and then I would go to the field and I would throw and the what took so long was because I'd had that I'd had surgery on my shoulder at the end of that senior year and then I went to Aspen so I didn't do any throwing I did I did some rehab but then I took off so when I came back uh, I couldn't just pick up a baseball and start long tossing I had to progress I had to do you know the this many throws at this distance and this many throws and then this many and so it took me longer than say the average arm would have if they just wanted to get back to it because they could probably just go out and start long tossing until they feel good where I had to go you know 60 90 120 150 and that took a little longer so I was basically every day wake up um, go to the gym go to the field you know after that I'd have time to you know spend time with my friends my girlfriend and then next day same exact thing until i was able to come up here you did end up making it to the thunderbolts in july you pitched well out of the bullpen right uh, right out of the gate and then towards the end of the season you got a few opportunities as a starter you started the last week plus of the season i uh, got a couple of opportunities there what uh, what brought that on did you go to the coaches and say hey i really want to start or was that their idea thinking they just wanted to see what they could get out of you yeah well they they signed me as a starter and um, i knew when they were bringing me in for spring training it would have been to try to win a starting job and that and honestly that's what I've done my entire life this is the first team I've ever been on where I was in the bullpen aside from that first year at ETSU so if anything I've kind of adapted here rather than you know when I'm starting that's where I'm in my happy place you could say so it, it was a very smooth transition to me once they let me start those few games it was no problem at all um, even the game that I started this year a couple weeks back, it was, you know, I'd been bullpen, made a start, and it was like never skipped a beat. You started well your last game of the season. I think it was the last game of the season here mm -hmm. at Standard Bank Stadium. You pitched really well, went seven innings in that one. Mm -hmm. What was your mindset going into the offseason? Did you come out of that game thinking, okay, I'm going to be back here, I'm going to be part of the rotation next year? Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. Because um, my first start was such a, a bad start, you know, just – I didn't want to get over too, too overexcited, and I ended up having a really bad game. So that second game, which was my last start, like you mentioned, I really wanted to have a good game, and I and I had a pretty good game. So it gave me all the confidence in the world going into the offseason that I can do it. Like I can compete at this level and get guys out for more than one inning. So this whole offseason, you know, I had a lot of confidence being able to come in and pitch, you know, and pitch well for this team in this league. You came into spring training this year. You didn't make the team this time around. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very curious as to what happened next for you because you were not gone very long. It was 10, 10 or 12 days into the season you were brought back. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that two weeks like for you? What was going through your head during that period? Um, it was it was good and bad. So I came into spring training uh, trying to win a, a, a rotation spot. And as you know, we have four lefties in the rotation. I would I was basically the fifth guy and, you know, with – Travis Tingle, you know, that's our only righty. He was obviously going to be in there, and it came down to me and some other lefties. And, um, you know, ultimately they made the decision they did. So when I went home, um, it was it was really nice being with my family and friends. You know, everyone back home, I loved them to death. So it was really nice being with them. And um, But, you know, I wasn't around baseball, so that, you know, it hurt. It hurt not being wanted, I guess you could say. It hurt being home. But at the same time, when I did get released out of spring training, you know, Biga and Smitty brought me in their office, and, you know, I, you, I could tell that they really didn't want to do it. You know, they 
they really didn't want to let me go. Um, you know, Bega was very adamant in telling me, hey, the first available, you know, the first guy to go, you're coming back. First thing happened, you're coming back. It was just a numbers thing. And, um, you know, the way it worked out, they felt it was best to go that route. And But he let it be known. First available spot we have, we want you back. And, um, and he held his word, you know, within those 10 days, like you said, uh, I hadn't signed with another team or anything yet. And, um, you know, I got a good relationship with a lot of people here. So, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And um, came back. Well, let's talk about the, the relationships you have with people here off the field a little bit. Uh, you already mentioned being part of the bullpen. Relief pitchers are always a quirky bunch. And mm -hmm. Like you said, you've been a starter for most of your career. So you're still kind of adjusting to being down in the bullpen, but I'm sure you develop good relationships with guys down there. What types of things do you do, not only to keep yourself interested during the games, but what types of things do you do with teammates on off days too? Um, yeah, so on off days, I, I love golf. I try to play a lot of golf. Um, so, And a lot of guys on the team love it as well. So me, um, Jake Fisher, Max White, um, Cam Giannini, Ryan Dietrich, uh, Danny Jimenez. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I think you could name guys who don't play quicker than guys who do play. So we try to play a lot of golf. Um, Jake Fisher and I will go to the pool whenever we can. Whenever we can do that, we'll go to the weight room, things like that. But um, yeah, I would definitely say if 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 we're together on an off day, it's usually on the golf course. When you are on a game day, you're down in the bullpen. What are some of the weirder things you guys do down there to, to pass the time? Uh, we're our bullpen's really big on games. We uh, we play different games like uh, the MLB name game. Uh, this one will go on forever. So if I said Chipper Jones, you would be up next, and you'd have to say a name that started with a J. And say you said you know John Smoltz, I'd have to say one that started with an S. And that the, this will go on for six innings at a time because we know so many players. But we'll play that one. We'll play other games. We'll play pranks on each other. Some of it I probably couldn't even say on the air, but we definitely uh, keep it entertaining down there. Well, Pete, I'm happy to hear that you're having a good time down there. And, of course, we're happy that uh, that you're here with the Thunderbolts and, of course, specifically in the press box right now. I'm grateful that you were able to spend the last half hour with me talking things over, and I hope that everybody listening has gotten a, a better impression of Pete Whittingslow, the man, and the pitcher. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Anything else you want people to know about you? Um, no. Actually, you, you actually mentioned this to me beforehand. I slipped my mind before just now. I wanted to ask you about the, the smartphone app that you talked about you were designing. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm in the process of, of building a mobile application for iPhones and Androids. I, I speak to my developer in India every morning at 6.30 a.m. because that's the time difference, obviously. So we speak every morning. Um, and it's a, it's a, what it is, is it'll be a mobile marketplace for college students. I'm kind of keeping it close to the chest right now because, um, we haven't launched yet, but I'm hoping to have it up and running by October. It's, it'll be a mobile marketplace, um, for college students with kind of that exclusiveness, you know, like when Facebook first came out, it was really cool to, to all the 18 to 24 or five year olds because they were the only ones who had it. Um, it was exclusive to them and kind of what I'm building is something that'll be on college campuses I want it to get I want it to be a way for students to interact whether it be uh, a, a senior graduating selling their furniture or a freshman coming in need furniture or textbooks and or you know a local discount at the at the pizza joint on the corner of their campus things like that I just want to make 
I want to I want to make it easy for students to interact with each other and and hopefully make a make a quick buck or save a quick buck. And I, I work on that every single day. It's called Thrift School, T H R I F T S K O O L, um, and it should be up and running by Halloween. I'm really excited about it, and um, I hope it's a success. Where'd you come up with this? So when I graduated college, I was just looking around my bedroom and I just noticed all this stuff and I was like, you know, gosh, I wish I could just give this to a college kid. Like I, I, I don't even need to sell it. I wish there was just a way for me to talk to a college student directly that I knew I could just give it to. And then it was, you know, like a light bulb. And, um, you know, it's my own fault that I've taken so long to develop it, but i I went to Aspen and then I played last season, but finally I've, the idea has never left me. And finally, you know, with this season coming to an end, uh, I said, Hey, let's do it. You know, let's make this thing a reality and, um, trying to develop it and see if it has a need like I needed at that moment. All right. Thrift school. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's kind of hard to say the first time off the tongue. Um, but it's thrift, you know, like the thrift store and then school. Um, but with a little twist to it. All right, well, we'll be on the lookout for that come October, November, that uh, that time range. Pete Whittingslow, thanks again for stopping by the press box. I'll let you go, but uh, I appreciate you spending this time with me, and good luck to you and to the team the rest of the way. Thanks for having me. It was fun.